welcome to this episode of Sell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and listeners, you're in for a treat for this one. My guest is Dr. Marat Kailayalu, CEO at Cartesian Therapeutics. Marat, welcome. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And I'm just so happy I got your name right, I think. No, you did it great. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Excellent. Excellent. Well, all right, let's get right into it. So, Marat, your academic CV is exceptionally impressive. And what I specifically want to talk about is how your MBA, MD, and PhD are working congruently to help you and your team steer Cartesian to be the leader in RNA cell therapy that it is today. So can you talk to us, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, I um, uh, received uh, my um, MD-PhD degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, my PhD uh, thesis was on the role of um, infection and inflammation and immunology. It was in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology. Um, and then, um, and afterwards I went and, and, and did an internship out in the Bay area, a medical internship, and then, uh, went out to Boston for a residency in ophthalmology at Harvard. And then, um, along the way met my, uh, time friend and partner, Mike Singer, who had a sort of similar background, MD, PhD background. Um, and then afterwards, uh, we recognized that we didn't want to have a, a career in academic medicine uh, and wanted to transition into trying to apply some of that, uh, you know, know-how and skill set into the world of, you know, entrepreneurship and, and sort of developing interesting uh, technologies. And so um, I ended up going and getting formally trained in that with an MBA at MIT Sloan School of Management. Um, and while uh, Mike finished up his residency, and and then we banded together afterwards to um, start a couple of companies together, and and Cartesian. Then after this is our third company together, and so with, with Cartesian, we, we really do both of us feel that it's um, it is an an intersection of uh, a lot of our formal training in ways that we couldn't have previously predicted. So it does come together because it, it is a an area that cell and gene therapy in general, and I think you know RNA cell therapies, which is what we're working on in particular, it, you know, is a multidisciplinary approach that brings together, you know, aspects from cell biology, molecular biology, immunology, um, you know, sort of cell engineering, and obviously when you're building a, a company around it, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of nuance beyond the science that, you know, you have to sort of, you know, hold together into, you know, a single, um, single enterprise. Uh, it also helps bring perspective and guidance to the kind of folks that we bring on internally. And I think uh, it's, it's a big motivator for people um, that are interested in gaining a wide perspective in how you take a, a drug from concept to commercialization because we, we built a team here that allows us to be able to um, um, integrate multiple sort of divisions under the same roof. So, you know, we do preclinical R&D here. We do regulatory here. Uh, we've built our own GMP cell uh, manufacturing facility here. We have our quality management systems, and then uh, we have our clinical operations team. So folks that come in, 
really have an opportunity within a relatively small team to be able to gain that perspective. And as sort of, you know, senior management, we try to sort of guide folks to try to get as much perspective as possible by as close uh, interaction as possible with, with all the different divisions with, instead of just focusing very laser focusing and only what they're doing. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, we're definitely going to get to your state of the art GMP manufacturing facility in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit more about RNA cell therapy specifically. And I want to hear from you and get your thoughts on, you know, where we are as a sector currently with the advancements in RNA cell therapy. Yeah. I mean, so this is, it's an interesting um, time that we're in. I mean, it's, I mean, on the one hand, there's a lot of uh, interest in RNA as a therapy, uh, but you know the vast majority of that interest goes to support you know, you know what I like to call conventional RNA therapy, which is in essence delivering RNA within a nanoparticle off and a lipid nanoparticle directly into the body. And of course, with the the, the, the RNA vaccines, that that's that strategy has worked beautifully in part because of the, um, the immunogenicity associated with the lipid nanoparticle itself. And, and, and as a result, these types of therapies actually make for great vaccines. But of course, that's a two-edged sword in that because of that immune response against the nanoparticle, uh, perhaps they're a little less effective in actually being therapeutic. So, um, uh, And then on, on the other hand, there's a, been a lot of interest in development with conventional cell therapy, which is DNA-engineered cell therapy, which um, it has its own limitations, right? As you, when you permanently modify a cell at the DNA level, you're making an irre irreversible change such that when the cell is modified in that way and administered to the body and recognizes its target antigen and begins to proliferate, every, every daughter cell looks identical to the parent cell. And as such, um, when the cell begins to proliferate, it really doesn't know when to stop. Uh, which is why that uncontrolled proliferation often leads to toxicities that are now synonymous with conventional cell therapy. Uh, very difficult to divorce the, uh, the side effects from and the toxicities from the actual therapeutic benefit as a result. Um, so we've always felt that that's fine if you want to take cell therapy and treat um, patients with the most advanced uh, diseases, in particular advanced cancers. Um, because the risk-benefit ratio makes sense. But if you want to take cell therapy beyond the most advanced cancers into newly diagnosed cancer patients or to um, patients beyond oncology, then you have to have a different approach, which is why we focus on RNA cell therapy, where we try to bring in the best of the conventional RNA therapies and the power of RNA um, and the safety of RNA and, and really marry it to the... Uh, the cell therapy aspect that we borrow from the conventional DNA engineered cell therapy world. So RNA cell therapies are the um, really a beautiful blend in my opinion, because you are in essence conferring upon the cell drug-like properties and predictable pharmacokinetics. The, the RNA has a defined half-life, right? So it's a time controlled introduction of therapeutics directly into the cell. Um, and the, the the effect that you're producing in the body is predictable. Uh, you can repeat dose the patient to have a defined window of effect. 
Uh, and then you don't have to worry about either the short-term toxicities or the long-term toxicities in the same way that you would with a permanently modified cell that's sort of potentially floating around your body for, you know, forever, right? So um, uh, there's other advantages such as cost, et cetera. But ultimately, I think the the safety component is a big differentiator from the conventional cell therapies and the lack of immunogenicity is a big differentiator from the conventional RNA therapies. And so you can use this type of approach, the RNA cell therapy approach, uh, by engineering multiple RNAs into a given cell and then use the cell as both the factory for producing as well as the vehicle for delivering not just one RNA therapeutic, but multiple RNA therapeutics directly to the site of disease in a time-controlled and predictable fashion. So that's really the the area that we're working on. We, you know, we think we're pioneering this area. You don't, you don't hear a lot of folks that are working in this area. And I think over time, you know, as we demonstrate, you know, the, the clinical proof of concept with one or more of these programs, um, you know, I think you're You're probably going to see a lot more folks that, that begin to populate this area. For sure. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about specifically Cartesian's RNA armory. So talk to us a little bit about that, how it helps what it's designed to do for patients in both oncology and beyond. Yeah. So th- this is the name, RNA Armory is the name that we've coined for our uh, platform, uh, our you know, processes, technologies um, that ultimately lead us to be able to generate, uh, you know, not just, you know, hundreds of millions of cells, but really the tens or hundreds of billions of cells in a given production run uh, that of of a number of different cell types. We currently focus our efforts on T cells and and um, uh, human mesenchymal stem cells, and we engineer these two two different types of cells depending on the indication uh, with uh, you know multiple RNAs to confer a, a, a clinical benefit. Um, and, and the RNA armory, in essence, is that platform technology that allows us to be able to generate. Um, you know, significant quantities of GMP grade RNA that are designed with, you know, specific expression cassettes that allow us to be able to express multiple RNAs directly into, in the cell for, you know, various lengths of time to confer that, you know, functional, um, uh, functional benefit of the cell, and then be able to make a lot of these cells to be able to repeat dose patients over, you know, over a period of time. And so that platform now has led to um, a robust pipeline in three different disease categories. So oncology, uh, autoimmune diseases, as well as in respiratory diseases. Um, And we have multiple assets within each uh, category that we're developing. So a total of six assets in development, three in the clinic and clinical development, and then three in preclinical development, uh, we anticipate at least a couple of these, if not all three, will matriculate into clinical development over the next 12, 12 months. So um, a healthy pipeline where we're really, in essence, interrogating a, a number of different approaches, cell types, um, and um, and uh, multiple therapeutics within a cell uh, to really prove out the the benefit of RNA cell therapy as a new new therapeutic category. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about um, your, that we talked about in the beginning, the state of the art GMP manufacturing facility that you have in 
it's in Gaithersburg, Maryland, right? Is that where it is? That's correct. Yeah. And, um, and you and I had had a conversation, gosh, a few months back, and we talked a lot about this facility and what's going on. And I thought we absolutely had to build a podcast around it. So I'm excited to talk about it. But specifically, let's start with why. Why did Cartesian build its own facility? Yeah, when we got going, we our background was... Um, so Mike and I, so our previous company, Topokine Therapeutics... Um, was started by the two of us uh, at a concept stage and then um, ended up getting acquired by Allergan uh, in a phase 2B3 registration study with the two of us. We had basically vir- you know, outsourced everything. It was a virtual operation. And so we thought, you know, we could probably do the same thing with Cartesian. Uh, and we started down that path and in fact, ended up working temporarily with a, um, a, a contract manufacturing organization and a CRO in order to um, in order to outsource all of that. It's just what we were familiar with. And but we realized very early on that it, it we weren't really doing the product justice if we were outsourcing the manufacturing of a cell therapy product, and in particular an RNA cell therapy product. And and the, and the reason is because it's it's just complicated, right? I mean, it's it's really there's a lot of nuance. Um, in in generating a you know a cell therapy product, in, in particular in a brand new therapeutic category that we were developing, um, there just people just didn't know how to do this effectively, and we recognized that in order to be able to learn at the pace that we needed to, uh, we needed to bring it in house and have full control over the manufacturing. In fact, we populated our GMP manufacturing team with MDs and PhDs uh, in order to uh, in order to learn from every single run and extract as much information as possible iteratively in order to optimize the process during the actual engineering runs and during the actual clinical runs. There's a lot to learn given the inherent variability for autologous products between donors, for allogeneic products. Um, between you know healthy donors, um, there, there's just a lot that's happening, and the batch records are, you know, hundreds of pages as opposed to just a relatively simple, tens of pages, and potentially, you know, for for small molecule manufacturing or or you know antibody or biologics manufacturing, which is a lot more standard. Cell therapy just isn't there yet, and so we figured that you know the best way to tackle you know, manufacturing in that environment was to bring and, and have full control over every nuance of the process here internally. Sure, sure. I do want to get to the team specifically in a minute, but before we do, when we talk about manufacturing at scale, what do you think currently are the most challenging aspects of trying to make that happen? How are you overcoming that? And how is having your own in-house facility enabling you to move beyond and, and actually manufacture at scale? Manufacturing, um, manufacturing at scale um, is is a challenge, right? I mean, so and we we had to we had to tackle this uh, early on. In in particular, RNA cell therapy, because you're administering more cells per dose, right? If you're permanently modifying a cell, um, theoretically, you just need a handful of these cells to take in the body, and then they'll you count on their ability to proliferate. Um, 
Um, and you create an environment for these cells to proliferate by administering this toxic lymphodepletive chemotherapy. And, and you, you know, it's that the entire paradigm of treating patients with conventional cell therapy is predicated on its ability to proliferate, that these cells to take and proliferate. But if you're, um, if you're doing RNA cell therapy, you actually have to be able to generate a lot more cells because you have to administer a lot more cells. Um, and so we, we, we had to obsess over this and we, we built the, the procedures and, 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 and technologies to be able to generate a lot of cells and then engineer a lot of cells and then, you know, uh, um, and then freeze them and, 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 and aliquot them and, and, and all of that, that, that follows afterwards. So at scale manufacturing is a, is a real challenge. Um, cause cells at scale don't behave the same way as cells at a sort of a small scale. Um, the other concern of course, is always associated with costs. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, RNA cell therapy manufacturing is just, you know, a fraction of the cost of the conventional cell therapy. And we can talk about why, but so we, we, we do start from a place of lower cost. Um, but you know, the kinds of price decreases that the industry as a whole in cell, cell and gene therapy has been, that we've been waiting for, for the last, you know, six years, just hasn't materialized, right? It seems like uh, prices are not just not falling and they're not staying steady. They're just increasing. Um, for whether that's, you know, for you're talking about certain reagents, you're talking about, you know, specialized pieces of equipment and other supplies. It's mind-boggling that this, you know, the pricing around this industry does not follow what you would normally anticipate that you know a a, a perfectly functioning market economy <laughs> functioning as, and it's unfortunate. And at some point, there's gonna be have to be a significant increase in the amount of in innovation that is happening relative to what's happening today to be able to uh, start you know, having meaningful competition around some of these critical, you know, supplies and equipment and reagents. Uh, so, and this all becomes important at when you're talking about manufacturing at scale, right? Um, and, and so, yes, I mean, th this is a challenge. I think it's a, it's a well-defined, recognized challenge by, by folks in the industry. And we're certainly following it closely and, and really hoping that that kind of innovation around, you know, around the equipment supplies reagents by, by our vendors are, you know, increases over time. Sure, sure. Uh, back to the team, uh, you explained how you have hand-selected the members of your team with real purpose. And so how did you craft your team? And, you know, how does that team specifically from a manufacturing perspective, how is it, um, you know, ensuring the success you you're, you have now? Yeah, yeah, we try to get folks that um, are, you know, have have deep expertise in, in in not just manufacturing, but the deep expertise in a multidisciplinary fashion. We try to get people that are really smart, that are sort of fully committed and that apply and can apply different perspectives onto a single, you know, set of problems. And um, we have more degrees than employees here uh, at the at the company. And, um, and, you know, we, we really benefit from that kind of intellectual firepower and in, in trying to address problems. And we, we encourage people um, to, to really sort of apply that firepower towards solving not just 
you know, their particular sort of home base, whether it's manufacturing or clinical operations, but really gaining enough perspective to be able to apply that that skill set and to to solving problems with with in other divisions. And this is one of the benefits of being able to have a relatively small team that's fully integrated, uh, where we're sort of constantly reinforcing the importance of that communication. Uh, within a closed environment that has a GMP manufacturing facility associated with it. So, um, you know, we, we try to do that with with the kinds of meetings that we organize and and and, and the kinds of conversations that we have with people. Uh, so the, the, the message is, um, you know, we're in this privileged environment uh, and have an opportunity to be able to help a lot of patients. And the best way to be able to do that is to come together as a team to solve a, a handful of problems and really innovate our way through, uh, you know, potential, you know, intractable appearing challenges. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think folks, uh, you know, like to join our team and, and we have, you know, one of the lowest turnover uh, uh, rates in, in the industry. And I, I think it's, it's a lot of fun to sort of be here as a result. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and I look forward to, I'm, I'm speaking to two of your colleagues uh, additionally for selling the podcast down the road. So this will, we'll be able to speak to them as well as about all things going on at Cartesian. And so what's next for Cartesian? What's, what's on the roadmap? Yeah. So we have three assets in clinical development now, um, and hopefully another one that'll be coming online in clinical development later this year. Um, so we're, look, I mean, we're ultimately out to develop, you know, life-changing, you know, potentially curative therapies for some very difficult to treat diseases. And, um, you know, as a clinical stage company, the next step for us is to, uh, to, to develop meaningful clinical data, right? And the strength of that data will guide us in terms of what direction, you know, we, we move forward with. And ultimately, you know, positive, you know, clinical data in any one of these therapies, any one of these indications is, you know, not just as important in and of itself for that given indication, but, you know, whether it's, you know, treating patients with multiple myeloma or treating patients with myasthenia or treating patients with ARDS, but beyond that, it speaks to, the, to, to a validation of the platform and the therapeutic category itself, which I think is a sort of a lot bigger opportunity uh, in, in being able to treat patients in a completely different set of ways with, again, combinations of therapies that within a cell, um, where a typical way to, to do a combination therapy today um, would be to take you know, each of the several drugs that you want to test and tandem in a clinic and develop each of them independently and then get to a, a clinical study and, and you know, assess the safety of them each independently. And then and only then to be able to you know, find out how well they work and, and tandem together. Here, we can bypass that and design the product from the bottom up uh, with the combination already built in. And that is, I think, quite powerful um, in our ability to, to introduce a, a new class of therapies. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Before we go, uh, I like to give our listeners an insight into my guests and what they do when they're not working in the four walls of their particular company. And so we want to know what you do in your off time. So describe for us your ideal Saturday. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So I think the, um, well, I, I, I'm married. I've got, I've got two kids. Um, they're both teenagers. So you know, there's a, there's a Saturday that's a reality and there's an ideal Saturday. So I, I suppose since you're asking rea- the ideal Saturday, I, I can, gosh, I can conjure up. We can do both. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. No, let's not get into what actually happened. <laughs> That, that is, that's not worth mentioning. They, so I think uh, ideally, um, gosh, you know, I, I really enjoy being outdoors with, with the family. Um, you know, I, I love going on hikes and, um, you know, taking day trips and, um, and if I'm not doing that, I'm, I, I'm coaching my, uh, my, my son's soccer team or, you know, attending my, my daughter's swim meet. So, you know, those are also fun as well. Um, sure. Uh, and, and so it's, it's important to have, to maintain perspective by having some off time and not be so immersed in your day-to-day of, of, in the company that you lose that perspective. And, and so there's, there's ultimately, you know, every Saturday is, uh, is an opportunity for that. So it's, uh, it's important to just take a little bit of time off. And of course that's, uh, that's the ideal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Easier said than done, but I agree that some family time and some fresh air, he can't beat it. So you're back. You're ready. No. You're ready to go back on Monday. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. Thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you next time.